Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Just recently in WWE, The Fiend battled Seth Rollins in a match that, according to WWE's tagline, could not be stopped for any reason. This meant that Rollins and Wyatt could end up fighting for hours before a winner was determined. I mean, it didn't get that far. The Fiend polished off Rollins in about 20 minutes. But imagine, if you will, a rivalry that was so intense that neither man yielded for an hour. That's a long time, isn't it? What about two hours? How about four hours? What if I told you that in the history books, there exists a wrestling competition that saw two men with a burning personal and professional rivalry compete for seven hours? Get comfy. You're in for a long one here. Introducing first, fighting out of Delphi, Indiana, USA. Weighing 165 pounds, he is the wonder of the West, Clarence Whistler. And his opponents from Allegheny County, New York, weighing 200 pounds, the solid man, William Muldoon. There's a lot that differentiates our protagonists in this week's episode of Wrestling Curiosities. I'll start with the obvious. Four years and 524 miles. May 25th, 1852 was a calm spring morning in Allegheny County, New York, when William Muldoon was born. Raised by Irish immigrant parents on the family farm, Will was strong beyond his years, showing a real knack at the age of 12 for strength-based sports like weightlifting and caber-tossing. At the end of his 12th year, William tossed his last caber and picked up his drum. He joined the 6th Cavalry as a drummer boy, and along with many young, strong men from New York, he headed west to participate in the American Indian Wars. It was during his time as part of the cavalry that William discovered wrestling. Many of the soldiers would wrestle against one another to stay strong and just, you know, for a laugh. We're in the middle of a war. We haven't got PlayStations yet. They've got to do something. Unsurprisingly, William was really good at Greco-Roman wrestling. He was young and had a strong build, and he picked up some of the basics really quickly. He continued training alongside his cavalry through the American Indian Wars and in the Franco-Prussian War. By the time Muldoon hit 20, he was a stoic six foot tall and was pushing nearly 200 pounds already. 
When Muldoon's time in the cavalry came to an end, he continued to put that strength to good use, apprehending wrong-uns as an officer for the New York police. 1,090 miles away, as Officer Muldoon was throwing another criminal in the slammer, the sound of hammers slamming metal filled the ears of his soon-to-be greatest rival, 20-something Clarence Whistler, the oldest of the eight children of C.C. Whistler and Leah Catherine Snyder. After several years working on their family farm, Whistler left the home in Delphi, Indiana, and was earning his keep as a foundryman in Iowa. As metal was forged and cast in the heat of the foundry, the colleagues of Clarence would find new and innovative ways to test the unparalleled strength of Whistler. He would amaze onlookers by carrying increasingly heavier iron bars, some as heavy as 1,300 pounds and 30 foot tall. These feats of strength encouraged several of Clarence Whistler's colleagues to point him in the direction of catcher's catch-can wrestling. Catcher's catch-can wrestling originated in 1871 at Little Bridge Grounds in West Brompton. It was devised by sportsman John Graham Chambers. Whilst it was initially met with very little support, it did catch on thanks to wrestling promoter Jay Wanup, who wanted to use it to merge multiple wrestling disciplines in the UK. It went stateside in the late 19th century and it became the style of choice for carnival wrestling troops due to how unorthodox and unpredictable catch matches could be. The Great Wrestling Almanac describes catcher's catch can as an old style of wrestling which allowed wrestlers to use many moves not permitted in other styles and disciplines. For example, catcher's catch can wrestlers can hold below the waist or even trip the other person up techniques prohibited in other styles. Catcher's catch can was still in its infancy when Clarence Whistler got to grips with it. He was well built, had good cardio, he was intelligent and he was incredibly strong. So the idea of doing whatever it takes to get your opponent on the ground suited Whistler down to the ground. If the training was anything to go by, Whistler had really found his calling. In early 1878, either January or February, it it was cold, we know that much. It was during a training session one day that Whistler caught the eye of Frenchman Lucien Marc, who was unimpressed with the rough net skill set being shown off by Whistler. Lucien fancied himself as a refined kind of strength and approached Whistler after training one day. I am willing to wager 200 American dollars that I'll knock the wrestling ambition out of this stupid hick farm boy. Mark proudly declared. The fight is now going on in the room behind me. The young, still rookie whistler facing a debonair, educated and skilled Lucian Mark. It's been going on for an hour now and oh, it's been a one-sided battering. Who's winning? Oh, oh, it's Whistler. Mark's barely got a look in. It's absolute carnage. That's two straight falls and the win to Whistler. He only stopped because he got bored. 568 miles away in Ohio, a journalist was feverishly typing up their feature article for the sports section of the Cincinnati Daily Star. They were documenting an incredible wrestling contest that had not long taken place in New York City to determine the New York Police Athletic Association's champion of wrestling. This was looking like an ordinary wrestling contest until the challenger locked John Quigley in a body lock. 
He hoisted the champ high into the heavens, held him up there for long enough to think about it before throwing him to the ground with such force that it shook the whole room. Not a single spectator in that room says they've ever seen a feat of strength like it in their lives. The referee stopped the fight there and then and awarded the fall, the match, and the wrestling championship to the challenger, the Solid Man, William Muldoon. The fact that a wrestling contest in New York was being written about all the way in Ohio shows just how spectacular the finish was. All of America knew about William Muldoon on this day, winning his first wrestling championship in impressive fashion. Whilst Whistler was just starting out in the wrestling world, as you can hear, Muldoon was already making history in it. His love for wrestling that he'd found while serving as a drummer boy in the cavalry had transferred over to the police. When he wasn't stopping the baddies or weight training, he was mastering the art of Greco-Roman wrestling. The name Greco-Roman was devised to differentiate it from Greek wrestling and Roman wrestling. Now, at the time, the athletes initially wore skin-tight shorts. They were wrestling each other naked before that as well. It was first used in official competition in the first modern Olympics in 1896. It's been included in every edition of the Summer Olympics held then from there till 1908. According to United World Wrestling, a Napoleonic soldier named Jean Exprayat first developed the style to use in traveling circuses. See, unlike catches catch can, Exprayat established rules that no holds below the waist were to be allowed, neither were painful holds or torsions that would hurt the opponent. The restriction results in an emphasis on throws because a wrestler cannot use trips to take an opponent to the ground or avoid throws by hooking or grabbing the opponent's leg. Now, part of the reason this may have been the case is because Jean Exprayat was taking the wrestling world on tour. And there were several occasions where wrestlers would invite members of the audience to come and try and take on their champion. By establishing rules like this, it stopped foul play and it gave the wrestlers a strong advantage over the others. I mean, not like they would need it anyway. A lot of the times, the wrestlers touring the circus troupe were absolute units. Greco-Roman would become the style favoured by wrestling Hall of Famers like George Hackenschmidt, Vern Gagne, and the 1996 Olympic gold medal winner, Kurt Angle. Now, these lads were all glints in their father's eyes, and in some cases, great-grandfather's eyes, when William Muldoon was stretching his fellow officers in wrestling tournaments. At a beefy 225 pounds, there was plenty being stretched by the solid man. Muldoon was building an incredible record away from the police department and taking on any and all who wanted to challenge him. Muscles and confidence were both bulging on the fateful day just before Christmas 1879 when he called out the then Greco-Roman world champion Theobald Bauer. Fighting out of Alsace, France, the life and times of Bauer are a bit of a mystery to most, possibly because he competed in his early years as the masked wrestler and his identity was a very closely guarded secret. There's three things we do know for definite. Number one, he was trained to wrestle from kindergarten age, owing to his father being a French wrestling heavyweight himself. Number two, he got into a fight with another wrestler whilst drunk and broke all their fingers, no doubt later inspiring the work of Pete Dunne. And number three, he made a career as a French wrestler who travelled around the country, defeating the so-called best America had to offer. He 
boasted an untouchable, undefeated run. An undefeated run that was stopped on Tuesday, January the 19th, 1880, in Madison Square Garden by William Muldoon. A three-hour tour de force in the garden, one that saw Muldoon defeat the pompous Frenchman two falls to one, launching the championship reign of the solid man, William Muldoon. 1,841 miles away. Another titanic struggle between America and France was taking place in a wrestling ring in Colorado between our other protagonist Clarence Whistler and André Cristal. Cristal, a farmhand from the south of France, took to wrestling in his late teens and became a strong contender across Europe. His boat dropped anchor in the USA in 1874, seeking great fame and even greater payouts. He went one-on-one -on -one in 1879 with our Clarence in a match that went to a four-hour draw. There were dollar signs in the eyes of wrestling promoters after seeing this as the chemistry between the seasoned Cristal and the relatively new Whistler was too good to keep in one place. So they hit the road. Whilst on tour, Cristal took Whistler under his wing taught him some valuable wrestling lessons. They would train in the day and wrestle for hours in the evening. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. That's a lot of sore bones, but an incredible experience for a young wrestler like Whistler. The Whistler Crystal Revenge Tour was a huge success and made a star out of both men. However, a star that shone brightest was Clarence Whistler, the all-American son of a farmer. It's got American dream written all over it, hasn't it? Whistler had another bizarre trait that made him stand out. He had, as, as many have written, an indifference to pain. Some would remark that he would almost look bored when lifting heavy objects, or seemed unaware that his head was being cranked in an awkward position whilst trapped in a face lock. He also had a weird party trick which involved biting glass. We'll return to this rather peculiar caveat a little bit later on. Whistler's run with Crystal was over, and it was time for the next challenge. The financial backers of Whistler had a dream match in mind for their charge and were so confident of its financial triumph that they put $600 forward to make it happen. This would be the equivalent of 11 grand in 2019. That's a lot of money on a punt, but Team Whistler didn't believe it to be a punt. No, no, no. It was a field goal if they ever saw it. Clarence Whistler had become a star from humble beginnings in the West of America, and one match would put him on a worldwide map. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. January 26th, 1881. The Terrace Gardens Theatre is buzzing with the anticipation of 8,000 plus wrestling fans. The Greco-Roman champion, William Muldoon, is in his dressing room. He is pacing, he is energised and he is focused. Since becoming the man, he's had a tough time in the ring, but weighing heavy on him tonight is his police career. Times have changed and there's not a lot of love for William Muldoon working as both a police officer and a professional wrestler. Could he carry on as a wrestling champion while serving in the New York police? There were many already calling for him to pick one or the other, citing that he couldn't put his complete energy into being a policeman and a wrestler at the same time. He'd even been threatened with termination from his job for competing as a wrestler. Now, superiors had managed to keep this from happening, but how long could they keep it? This weighed on the mind of Muldoon on this evening. Was now the time for him to take a massive gamble on a full-time career as a professional wrestler? What if it didn't work out? He'd burn his bridge with the police? Would they even let him back in? What if he said no to the wrestling career? What if he missed out on the biggest opportunity of his life to become the biggest wrestler on the planet? He needs to push all of this out of his mind right now because in a few moments' time, he'll be in the ring defending the belt that he scratched and clawed to retrieve from Theobald Bauer last year against an opponent looking to make a name for himself. Five feet away, a similar-looking changing room. The same buzzing anticipation vibrating off the walls. The man who was handpicked to make history and money with the beloved champion William Muldoon is also pacing. He had everything to gain and nothing to lose, but he felt the nerves building in the pit of his stomach as bell time drew closer. The catch-as-catch-can champion Clarence Whistler is about to prove that he is more than just a flash in the pan. He is about to become, in his mind, the champion of two disciplines. And he is going to do it in the center of the wrestling universe, New York City. Both men stepped out of their changing rooms, walked down the corridor, through the curtain, and stepped into the ring. The announcers made their announcements. 8.45 p.m. local time. The bell sounded, and it began. Both men tied up in the center of the ring, keen to get the first fall. Normally, it's a mental victory as opposed to a physical one. Both men were evenly matched on this night in terms of size and strength, and neither could keep the other down. The crowd were gripped as the first hour passed without a single fall. The stamina of these two American-made wrestling stars was apparent as they closed in on the second hour of grappling. As they closed in on the second hour of grappling, 
then a third, the lights almost getting hotter as they battled. The sweat was pouring off Muldoon and Whistler, almost eight litres between them, as the fourth hour came and went. For now over four hours, neither man has yielded. It has gone midnight in the gardens. While some of the audience had left, many remained, drawn to this Herculean contest. In the centre of the ring, the referee stepped between both of these giants of wrestling and separated them. Muldoon and Whistler collapsed in their respective corners. It was then that the official called for an interval to allow the athletes time to recover. Both men returned to their respective dressing rooms where they were seen by medical staff and G'd up by their entourage. I doubt that William Muldoon or Clarence Whistler remember anything from that interval. Both bodies and minds spent. An assistant knocks on both doors, informing parties that the break was over. Muldoon and Whistler returned to the ring, stood across from one another and mentally prepared for whatever came next. The bell sounded and the moment it did, both men knew they were in uncharted territory. They rose from their corners, knowing that this is now the longest match either man had ever contested in their entire career. The thought of making history in New York City drove these men for another hour of grappling in the center of the ring. And then another hour. And then another hour. We are now over seven hours into the longest wrestling match in history. Both men physically, mentally, emotionally drained, yet absolutely steadfast. And then all of a sudden... The power goes out. Now, why the power went out is up for debate. Many officials put it down to a blown fuse. However, there is talk that the fans of William Muldoon, concerned for their hero's well-being, left the building and cut the power lines. Despite why this happened, what we do know is that this match simply couldn't continue. It was the middle of January in New York City in the early hours of the morning. Both men had been at war for seven hours and 15 minutes. The referee called a draw. Both Whistler and Muldoon spoke to the press after the match, still with fire in their bellies. Muldoon called shenanigans on Whistler, saying that he'd put ammonia in his hair and, and he'd grown his fingernails long to cause further injury. Whistler called Muldoon a crybaby, challenging him to a rematch immediately. The fans were clamouring to see these two wrestle once again and the desire to see Muldoon Whistler too was so great that they decided to go even bigger than a rematch. Despite their dislike for one another at this point, William Muldoon and Clarence Whistler saw that there was money to be made by touring the country, showing every corner of America wrestling's greatest rivalry of the year. This was a turning point for both men. For Whistler, it locked him into the most lucrative tour of his wrestling career. For Muldoon, it solved his greatest dilemma. He resigned from the police force and pursued a full-time career as a wrestling champion. The first part of his new life was the national tour with Clarence Whistler. Despite their dislike personally of one another, and despite at least two occasions where the heated arguments led to weapons being drawn, I'm not making this up, the Muldoon-Whistler revenge tour went off without a hitch. 
1882, they would go their separate ways. For Muldoon, he continued as a fighting champion in the United States. For Whistler, it was a voyage to Australia to pursue championship glory on the other side of the world. He would become a star in Australia, wrestling oncomers by day, drinking and partying by night. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Whistler would never return to the US. He would die in his hotel room in Melbourne after eating champagne glasses at an after party. This is this weird party trick that Whistler liked to do from time to time. He had, as previously discussed, a weird relationship with pain. But no matter how you process pain mentally, eating shards of glass will never be good for you. As for Muldoon, he retired from wrestling in 1890, having conquered the wrestling world. He knew his years were catching up, so his decision to become a trainer was incredibly timely. He also opened the Olympia, a health institute in New York. He'd spent his entire career taking people down. He would spend the last few years of his life building people back up. William Muldoon is interred at a private mausoleum in Valhalla, New York. 10,368 miles away, Melbourne General Cemetery lies Clarence Whistler. The bodies of these great rivals lie, ironically, in the same way as they live, many miles apart. Despite the distance mentally, physically, and geographically at times, the brief time they were in the ring together, the brief time they were in proximity of each other, they made history. As William Muldoon and Clarence Whistler captivated wrestling fans for seven hours and 15 minutes. The longest wrestling match in history. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.